0: Mad unreal. My name is Arthur and I've got Isaac uh, on the other side of my screen. What's going on?
1: What's going on? Man? How you doing?
0: You know, I'm good. I'm good. Um, got my water, so hopefully that won't uh, have me smacking <laughs> over the microphone throughout the episode.
1: You are the lead voice. Just keep it moist. I didn't even um, have to run.
0: <laughs> I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about a, a a few a few Star Wars items today, but thinking about that, preparing for the show, it reminded me a couple weeks ago, I saw um on the dot com, which mm-hmm. is one of my one of my uh favorite online publications that, that I read. Go ahead and shout <laughs> out your
1: boy. Go ahead and shout out your boy at Verge. What's the name?
0: Dieter Bond? Yeah, that's, that's your my guy. Boy. <laughs> um so I think I think I hit you up over the text, but I saw this headline. Mm-hmm. and it was the, head, the headline was uh, fans consumed by the original Star Wars trilogy and that's all I saw and I, and I think it was something like about 4K right mm. and so I immediately thought that Lucasfilm was going to release the original original oh, Star yeah. Wars trilogy the, un, the the unaltered versions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I just completely lost it <laughs> and then I started reading the article and it's just that they're going to repackage the in, the entire set of films mm-hmm. is as 4K UHD Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and I got mad all over again. Right. Yeah. I really don't think that Lucasfilm will ever release. They're just gonna they're just gonna roll
1: with the revisionist history. Mm-hmm. I think you know I can't say this definitively, but I remember it might have been just a rumor or it might be fact that. Their deal with um, Disney, when Disney bought them, was that included the fact that those, you know, revised versions would be the definitive versions, you know, that Mm -hmm. they would never like Disney would never package the older versions. Yeah. Um, And I think maybe even the television deals like the television deal with TNT includes, okay, Mm -hmm. you can only play the revised version. Like I said, I think that's that's that may just be rumor or it may be a fact. I don't know. But yeah, it, it sounds about right. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like something that Lucasfilm, um, specifically George Lucas himself would, you know, put that in there. Like, OK, this is what I want to be the definitive version. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if you if you wanted the lucky people that own, you know, the, the, the old VHS. school VHS, yeah. I don't know. Now. Here's my question: Was, was the, the original versions were they ever released on DVD? Because I have old. I need to go back and look. Um, no, to see if they were never. They were never, never, okay. yeah, right. never on so DVD. Okay, so the ones I got are the revert, revised version. Then, okay. Um, so yeah, if you wanted the you got that VHS, that's one reason to keep your VHS player in operational, you know, capacity. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah, the only way you want to see. Right. That's or the only you know way what? you to see it. Digitize that.
0: Mm-hmm. Hit me up on Twitter r r t h u r r and just give me a price and we right. can talk about it
1: right I wonder you know what I wonder if there are we need to get a certain friend of ours who um, you know dabbles in the black market we need to get him on that to see if there's some digital versions out there um, you know available that you can get online uh, of the original joint but yeah I remember you were really excited and I was like nah that's that's not when they said that they didn't mean that yeah they didn't mean that yeah. now
0: um You know, there are like despecialized editions, quote unquote, despecialized editions Mm -hmm. um, that were done. um, I don't know if his name is Harmy, H-A-R-M-Y, or if it's, you know, just a handle. But there are floating around versions of the original trilogy unaltered. Mm. I think I got to scan.
1: I got to just hunt through hard drives. I think I have an empire. Have you watched the original have you watched any of the the original trilogy on uh Disney Plus yet? No. Okay, cuz I I think that not to say that they've been altered, but I think there's a few extra tweaks in some of those and I know that I believe there's um director's commentary maybe or something. I don't know. There's some there's extras on there. Yeah. Um everything that, I, every report that I read was um that they're done in 4K.
0: Right, 4K yeah so you're basically you're basically this in this set and it's two hundred and fifty dollars for for all nine movies mm-hmm. you're you're getting the version that's currently streaming on Disney plus because that was actually a selling point mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. initial selling point that the original trilogy that all the films all the Star Wars films that would be available that the original trilogy was uh remastered in four k
1: mm-hmm. streaming that way mm-hmm. interesting um listen before we get into this um i wanted to give a special shout out to all the people on who've been hitting us up on twitter and really supporting the show um specifically and if i leave your name out forgive me but specifically cats like uh my guy at victory cb um uh oh, what's my man's name now i'm blanking out uh at, G- at nikki gianni um Gianini. i'm sorry nikki i messed that up uh, but you weren't the one I was thinking about. I always think about you, Nikki. There's somebody else I forgot.
0: Uh, also, Jeffrey, uh, father
1: of Jericho, right? At JPNT17, yeah, Jeffrey, father of Jericho, um, and just you know, I, I think a couple episodes we've done have sparked a lot of conversation online, which is always cool. Um, the 007 and counting stuff has um, sparked some some thoughts and some a lot of kind of cool introspection from uh, some of the listeners. And that's just, you know, it's always cool to see that. So we definitely encourage you guys to keep these conversations going um, at Nipsey. I see you, too, um, uh, at Starlight and Flight. See you, too. So and oh, yeah. And my guy uh, rolling <laughs> with some of these names, man, rolling with um, Dada. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, too, bro. So all you all, we appreciate it. And um, it's just cool to see, like I said, these conversations continue on Twitter and other platform, so um, hopefully you guys will keep it up. Key hashtagging and and um and we can include you
0: in the show. Absolutely. And uh, as you listen to this, um, we have two uh, episodes of our uh, 007 and Counting series, uh, which leads up to the release of No Time to Die in early April. This Friday we'll release the first uh, review of the Daniel Craig Bond films. So
1: this coming Friday is going to be our review of uh, Casino Royale casino royale the mad unreal way and yeah the last episode the one that just came out uh, the previous friday um if you haven't checked that out definitely check that out um that is our kind of introspective um keeping it 100 looking in we're into ourselves and dealing with the conflicts of uh being a black james bond fan you know so that's it's kind of our look at you know this um uh, this white male fantasy trope and us being real about, um, being young black men growing up and, and, you know, looking up to this, this hero. So it's, it's really good. I think you guys should check it out. If you haven't already listened, check it out. If you listened and you have some thoughts, definitely hit us up with your own stories or your own thoughts of, uh, what it's like to be in that position. Um, whether it's James Bond or another hero, um, hashtag us and hit us up mad unreal. All right. You ready, man? we got a lot to get to today. Yep, why don't you do it? All right, it's Mad Unreal, episode 11. Let's go! All
0: right, all right. Mad thoughts. Uh, another another round of uh, four or five uh, little things going on currently on the internet and uh, our thoughts about them. Kicking this one off is our brother Steven Spielberg not <laughs> directing
1: the not fifth directing. installment
0: of the Indiana Jones saga hmm. not directing Indiana Jones 5 which is uh which has been handed over to uh James Mangold uh
1: were you surprised do- by this this announcement mm, i was pleasantly surprised oh okay I, pleasantly yeah okay. yeah why yeah. pleasantly
0: well because and um According to what I read on uh, Variety.com, um, Spielberg wanted to hand the reins over to a younger director to see what a new vision would look like, looking mm-hmm. at Indy through, you know, through, just through a different lens. Um, after the last installment, uh, Indiana Jones, what was it, Indiana Jones? Kingdom and of Somebody's skull, I don't know. Some, the it skull, Something a crystal skull, right. <laughs> something about the crystal skull, okay. Right. Um, didn't go over well with audiences, didn't go over well in the box office. Um, and now Harrison Ford is uh, attached to this project, so we're expecting him to return and don the whip and f- fedora. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be nice for a, just a fresh perspective. And I really give Spielberg credit for being able to you know tap out. Now he's gonna be uh, an active producer or an mm-hmm. active executive producer on the project um but it does you know it does beg the question of do we need a fifth film is this fifth
1: film being made in part to go out on a high note right to Costanza I mean listen I like James Mangold did you see Ford versus Fry ah not yet okay Ford versus Fry it's a really good movie it's I I don't think it's it's not a great you know I, I don't know if it because uh, I know it was nominated for Best Picture and it, it mm-hmm. didn't win. Obviously, Parasite won, but um, it's you know it's a really good movie and Christian Bale in particular just kills it. Um, but I mean, I like James Mangold. You know that movie Logan, of course, um, twenty seventeen Logan. Even the first, you know, he did Wolver- the original uh, The Wolverine, which the first half of that movie is very good. Um, but it, it's like you said a younger Spielberg wanted to give it to a younger director Mango is like damn mm-hmm. near 60 years old so yeah he's younger than Spielberg but it's like it's not <laughs> like he's handing it to like a 30 year old saying yeah I want to see you know what you got he's not giving yeah. it to Ryan Coogler you know what I'm saying yeah. so yeah, I and not, not that Ryan Coogler I think Ryan Coogler is on 40 or whatever but anyway I think that when I heard this I was surprised but I, I don't know if I was pleasantly surprised I mean Crystal Skull obviously wasn't good but I've heard rumors that that may have been a lot of, um, on George Lucas that, you know, they're really, um, leaning against on his, his, his story ideas and script or whatever, and didn't want to change too many things. But mm-hmm. regardless of who's ever fault it was, it just wasn't a good movie. And I'm like you, I don't think, I really don't think they need a fifth film. And I'm wondering if they just kind of could in this and like going out on, want to go out on a high note. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the draw is yes, yeah, Harrison Ford, but the draw is also Steven Spielberg. It's like he's mm-hmm. one of those few directors that you put his name on something, it's like people will come see the film just because of him, you know, regardless, mm-hmm. you have a bunch of no name actors if it's a Spielberg film, they'll come and see it, but You're right. he is tied like intrinsically to this franchise um just like Lucas is fought tri- is, is obviously tied to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Spielberg is tied to Indiana Jones, and so, and we know that both of them,
0: Lucas and Spielberg, um, created Indiana Jones. Right, right. But it was for
1: Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right, and they're both already obviously very famous, very successful. But for me, growing up in the eighties, that was like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to see Jaws in the seventies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was like. Indiana Jones was like my awareness of Spielberg mm-hmm. so that you know he's just tied to that for a lot of people so it kind of surprised me that he's not going to direct this this you know Harrison Ford's final film you already got I understand the, the the impetus to give it to a quote unquote younger director but you already got you know Harrison Ford in the movie it's like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so you got mm-hmm. a very you know old actor you know so it's like why you know what kind of a vision are you hoping to get with this so I'm a little I don't know I'm a little ambivalent about it I'm not I'm not as I'm not really I wasn't really excited about this movie to begin with to be honest with you um, mm-hmm. but I wonder where it's going to go now to me Mango being attached it is a positive like I said I like him um, but this is going to be more so about the script because really you're dealing with a, a Indiana Jones at this age he's not going to be jumping around and doing a lot of things um, so I think that more than ever this is going to be you know rely heavily on how good is the script going to be Um, to keep us to keep us involved in this film so yeah yeah
0: well you know it does speak to the power of the 80s in general because you've got Jonathan Kasdan um, who's the son of the screenwriter Lawrence Mm. Kasdan Mm -hmm. who wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark Mm -hmm. you know is attached to this project uh, as a screenwriter and Ghostbusters afterlife which has Jason Reitman directing who's Mm -hmm. the son of Ivan Reitman who mm-hmm. directed the original ghostbusters so you know you have you have this dna right this literal yes. dna right that that, lineage that are, that's that yeah the lineage that's a better word for it this lineage uh, you know of 80s generation to
1: mm-hmm.
0: post-millennial
1: millennial gen z yeah i mean and there is that 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 sort of 80s thing is still i'm surprised it's lasted this long because you know it started i guess. The Stranger Things started, and maybe even a little bit before mm-hmm. Stranger Things, but yeah, that probably 80s. a little bit
0: before, but but Stranger Things really brought it out, really yeah, brought out the popularity
1: and the retro. From a cinematic point of view, or even a television point of view, yeah, those that Stranger Things ushered in, and ushered it in, I think, in a big way. And it's still here, you know, so I'm surprised that it's still that nostalgia is still there for the 80s stuff. So you, we saw it in um, um, a lot of the films that have been released who kind of have yeah. leaned against some of those those principles. But man, I don't know. Um, I don't. In second thought, I don't think we can even attribute it to Stranger
0: Things because there were still Terminator movies that were coming out. You know,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, Aliens
1: movies, Alien movies were still coming out. Right. Right. I mean, but it's one thing to have those films release you know continue release sequels but it's another thing to actually lean on the aesthetic you know i'm saying like stranger things is all about the aesthetic of the 80s um so but to your point i can understand that when you're looking at indiana jones which you know obviously didn't take place in the 80s took place in the 40s uh yeah mainly the 40s i believe um in the 50s i think the last one took place um and then you're talking about you know uh Ghostbusters which although it takes place modern day is definitely going to look back to the 80s because it's you know it's his uh egon's grandchild you know the son mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. kicks everything off so i see the lineage that you're talking about and kind of that bringing those things those things back but with this i don't know man i, I you know what this may just be Spielberg just not being interested you know it's like maybe it just doesn't I don't see creative. him not being yeah. Maybe just, maybe the last interested. one just killed it. You know what I'm saying? Maybe just the last one was just so bad for not just for everybody watching, it was bad for him too. And he was just like, I'm done. You know, so mm-hmm. in that regard, I'm not mad at him for passing it along. And I think again, if you're gonna pass it along to somebody, I mean Mangold is a is a great choice. Um he knows if you when you see Ford versus Far, you realize Mangold knows how to make great um quote unquote Hollywood films. In other words, now it's very hard to go see, you know, originally scripted, you know, original material in that kind of Hollywood format where it's like this its an adventure feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's, you know, pretty much either the comic book films, uh, horror or, you know, occasionally you might get a romance film. Um, now those type of 80s and, you know, 70s, 60s, 50s, whatever, quote unquote Hollywood films, you don't find those as often. And four versus Ferrari is definitely like a Hollywood movie. Um yeah, okay. so he knows how to do it so we'll see we'll see all right what's next kerry fukunaga no
0: time to die mini director commentary clip
1: yeah so let's yeah so let's um you know we got the 007 and counting thing this separate show but let's dip into a little bond really quickly here um this was this popped up out of nowhere man i didn't i didn't expect that um i expected it, I guess it's interesting because the trailers that they keep releasing for this film are basically like two scenes. Like they just keep showing you like elements of the pre what's going to be the pre titles um, Italy scene. We, we've we seen that, you know, repeatedly in these trailers. And then, you know, you get glimpses of a couple other scenes later in the film, um, particularly when uh, Bond meets, you know, the the uh, meets. um Saffin, uh Remy mm-hmm. Malik Saffin, And mm-hmm. you know, you get things from uh I guess it's uh Jamaica, you know, you so you see little things, but really, you know, they're not showing you a lot of this film. So this this was more of that, but it was actually with like almost like a director's commentary. Um and the biggest thing that jumped out of me, and I want to hear what you had to say, but the biggest thing that hit me immediately was he starts talking about the gun barrel sequence. He's like, you know, when you see those white dots. And, you know, you know, something's about to jump off something. You're you're in for a ride. I think is what he says. And that tells me, OK, is this movie going to open with a gun barrel sequence? I believe Spectre did. I haven't seen Spectre in a long time, but I believe Spectre did. But really, the Craig movies have been absent that gun barrel sequence. Um, so that was interesting to me to see if it's going to open with a, a, a gun, a gun barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that jumped off to me immediately, and this is what I really wanted to get your thoughts on, he says he's talking about Saffin. He's talking about you know who Bond is going up against, and he says that this is clear that this villain is smarter and stronger than Spectre. I thought that was interesting because Spectre is you know Bond's big bad, you know that's right. his Joker, you know so that's his right. Vader. So it was interesting for them to say that, particularly since it's been rumored that Safin is actually Doctor No, who was actually a part of Spectre. But now, but is they, that is that
0: confirmed or are you no, still that's speculating? Just that's just rumor. Based on yeah, the that's just rumor. Uh-huh.
1: So that, you know, to hear uh, Fukunaga say this villain is smarter and stronger than Spectre, I thought that was interesting. Um, I, I liked it.
0: I didn't expect it either. I think... Um, you know how I feel about a plethora
1: of these clips kinds and of sequences yeah, yeah. which is yeah. what but this is the, I I thought about you when I watched it and I said this is good cuz this is not showing Arthur is going to be cool with this cuz it's not showing a lot of the film that we haven't seen yet. It's showing the same things. It's all the stuff you've already seen. Right,
0: right. There were one um, or two sequences cuz I again and I always say this when I talk about it, it's like I I I understand the need for them mm-hmm. given the context that we're we're in with social media and uh, the emphasis on you know quick video, mm-hmm. um, but it just re- it just takes away a layer. It peels back a layer of of of, for lack of a better term, movie magic to me. Mm-hmm. Like there Do was f- one sequence that oh, yeah. you know where the motorcycle bonds on a motorcycle and he literally jumps from one level to like right. this insanely higher level it's just you know and it's right. a one take shot it's just nuts mm-hmm. and to actually see that on a, on a little screen now I mean I got a 27 inch iMac mm-hmm. but that's nothing compared to a cinema and so to have saying that the first be, time
1: you wanted to see it would be in a cinema that you like that yeah. stunt you want to see that in a cinema yeah first okay I get yeah. that I get yeah. that
0: yeah, yeah. I appreciate it as the treatment given to a director's comment commentary mm-hmm. on a Blu-ray. Um you can hear it in his voice the the reverence that he has uh for the character for James Bond. Right. The reverence that he has for all of the temples that make Bond Bond what we're looking for, you know. Um the car, the tech, mm-hmm. the women, the adversary, you know. Um I also like that even though you do see uh, Remy Malika Safin, I don't remember seeing Lashana Lynch too heavy. Maybe she was like shown, but. Uh, in the first
1: really, trailer, she featured heavily in the first trailer. True, but I'm saying in this piece. Oh, you're talking about this one. Yeah,
0: she, yeah. Yeah, in this piece. I right, do, right. I do, I do like, I mean, he referred to Bon as coming out of retirement and he's mm. been out of the loop for five years. Mm. But I do like the fact that he's still, uh, that he still did that, that, Fukunaga did not reveal anything further about the tension, the adversarial relationship that the trailer shows between Lashana Lynch's character and Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Craig's Bond. So I appreciate that he didn't he didn't let all the cookies out of the cookie jar in that respect.
1: Yeah, I think actually, you know, for me, the little bit that we have gotten of their relationship between Bond and Nomi, Lashana Lynch's character, I'm kind of anticipating that's going to be a very strong part of this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't mean strong in the sense that it's going to have take up a lot of screen time. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I just feel like their chemistry feels really good um, Mm -hmm. in the clips that we've Mm -hmm. seen them interact. And, you know, the the quick quick pieces of conversation that we've gotten, their chemistry feels good. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, the other thing, and I I agree with you as far as um, the reverence that you hear with uh, Fukunaga when he's talking about it. Um, one thing though, he said, man, I don't know why it felt so ominous to me when he said at the end, you know, this, you know, he's like, we wanted, we wanted to do this. We wanted to do that. We wanted to do something very special, blah, blah, blah. And he just ends it with, you know, this will be Daniel Craig's final chapter. You know, I I think he says, I think he says as James Bond, or maybe he just says Daniel Craig's final chapter, but I think he says final chapter as James Bond. And I don't know why that felt so ominous to me. And I'm like, you know, there's early on there were rumors that you know Bond may die in this movie or something mm-hmm. really different is gonna happen in this movie. And even Eon was like, you know, this will change. The twenty fifth film changes everything, you know. So I don't know, man. It's it, it's like I, I don't wanna see him die on, on cause I feel like you shouldn't you should probably never kill the character of Bond, even if you're gonna reboot him three years later, simply because once you see his death on film, I think that just that changes things in in not such a good way. So there's just something about the way Fukunaga said it I was like oh shit what's you know what's what's about to happen now I'm a little bit nervous you know what I'm saying so that was interesting all right cool uh what's next next up uh your boy
0: Jean-Luc Picard skip (laughs) yeah because I'll be honest with you I have not I have not watched any any further episodes of Picard um primarily because I was prepping for uh uh, 007 and counting right, right. and uh, the Clone Wars animated series which we'll talk talk about listen there's uh, only
1: so many hours in a day and I gotta be there honest. there you go <laughs> if you, if you gotta prioritize something you this show uh, and you know we'll do and we'll do a wrap-up you know maybe at the end of this because I think it's 10 episodes and so maybe we'll do because I mean it's Star Trek we got to talk about it you know what I'm saying so maybe we'll do a a end of the season wrap up um, on Picard and maybe it'll get better, but I got to tell you, man, I'm caught up. I've watched, I think it's six episodes. I've watched all six. Yeah. Um. And the question, you know, has it gotten any better since like episode two or three? And the question, the answer is no, it hasn't. Mm. Um. This show is a, it's a mystery to me. It's a mystery to me as to what exactly they are, you know, what exactly the creators are trying to accomplish here. Because At the onset, I thought this is a character study specifically of Jean-Luc Picard, which is why it's called Star Trek Picard, which is fine. Sure. Um, We talked about this, you know, episode or two ago and excuse me there. Star Trek, you know, has always been an ensemble piece. We talked about this. So it is a different thing to just focus on one character and say Mm -hmm. we are going to go deep into this person and see, you know, what is really going on with them, blah, blah, blah. And it's also interesting to me that they chose Picard. Now, you know, I mean, obviously you choose Picard cause he's, you know, that's Patrick Stewart, Picard. Sure, you know, he's icon. central to he's the icon, right. next generation. But yeah. from a character standpoint, it's interesting because Picard has always had trouble expressing himself and being emotive, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. this, mo- this show, and you know, he's, he's damn near 80 years old. So, you know, obviously people evolve and, you know, things change. Um, this show is all about, you know, him and what he's going through and where he's at, blah, blah, blah. And I gotta be honest, man, that part of it really didn't bother me until you put it in the context of this world that they've created. And mm-hmm. this world that they've created looks, is so different from anything that's any, you know, like really star Trek, any, any next generation thing, any original series thing, any of the movies, it's just like, where are we, you know, what, what is going on? This, this feels very much, um, like a completely different show like this could be any science fiction show you know um huh. and it's it's on top of that arthur it's not just that it's it doesn't feel star trek it's also just not really well executed you know the story is i i, I was dozing off and one of, i think the last episode i watched i was dozing off watching it yeah, see, so you're not supposed to do that not supposed to do that and um the characters are not very interesting um You know there's a lot of violence there's a scene bruh. there's a scene and i think it's episode five in the beginning that's one of the most grotesque things i've seen on a you know i I don't want to say network television show because this isn't a network television show it's obviously being Mm -hmm. streamed right but it's just it's it's hyper violent and it's group is it's it's grotesque and it's like okay why you know what is the point of this specifically in a star or a star trek show and you know, there's been speculation. I remember there was a rumor floating a year or so ago. You know, that Quentin Tarantino wanted to direct a Star Trek film, and you know, of course, it would be rated R, and people would be cursing, and it'd be gory. Right. And that's not going to happen. But it might as well have happened in this because you mm-hmm. know, people are cursing. It's gory. There's a lot of violence. You know, it just doesn't feel like Star Trek at all. And then what they're doing is not actually advancing. It's not creating an interesting story. It'd be different if they were doing stuff that were non-Star Trek and it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. But it's not fascinating. Um, and then in, in Picard, and I'll say this last point: I'll shut up, and we can actually move on. We don't need to stay on this. But <laughs> <laughs> Picard himself was mostly interesting. To me, Picard himself in six episodes has done nothing, bro. There's, there's. Last time we talked about this, remember we talked about how Star Trek is a problem solving show, you know, and it's right. like they'll introduce a problem, a puzzle almost. And And it'll be a highly intellectualized Exactly and it'll be like for the rest Of the episode they gotta you know Kirk, Picard uh, Spock uh, Number one whoever Mm. Data they gotta figure this out And this show Is obviously not that it's not Like a um, procedural In that sense Right. but at the same time You expected to see Picard Be Picard and like figure stuff Out and be like a great leader So on and so on like turn it on Turn it on -hmm. Nothing has happened in six episodes. He's done nothing. I'm like, why is this dude even in charge? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like what? It's Mm -hmm. basically he's on this mission and he's, you know, we have to do this and I need this person to help me and I need that person. We got to go get this person and it's like there's nothing Picardian about what he's doing. Um, Yeah, okay. So, like I said, maybe we'll do a wrap up show. But at this point, if you got, you know, listen, Clone Wars. If that's if it's a choice between Clone Wars and this, then prioritize Clone Wars. That would be my advice. Mm. Mm.
0: All right. Moving along. (laughs) Moving along. (laughs) Project Luminos. Uh, Long rumored uh, Star Wars project to um, create a multi-platform publishing initiative um, has been revealed um, as Star Wars The High Republic. Mm. This is being put together... um, by Lucasfilm, they got together a cadre of of Star Wars writers, uh, screenwriters, book writers, comic writers, um, to answer the question, now that the Skywalker saga is over, what, you know, what's next? And so they're settling on creating creating this world to tell the story of the Jedi uh, 200 years before the events of Phantom Menace, when the Jedi are in their prime there's a, um, gosh, how long is it? I mean, it's almost like ten minutes long. There's like a clip. Um, um, yeah, it's like a trailer. That for profiles, the right. yeah, that profiles the summer. Uh, it starts you know, the last summer at at at, uh, at uh, Skywalker Ranch with right. everybody together, and uh, saw some some men of color, some women of color it looks like they really are making an
1: attempt to look at star <laughs> wars i guess i guess
0: all the black people were 200 years before the family
1: there's a sprinkling actually i took a picture i am going to send it to you i took a picture a screenshot of the because you know they had like a group photo of all of the um the creators at skywalker mm-hmm. ranch the writers mm-hmm. and um they took a a, a photo together and so like there's one brother i forgot his name he's right smack dab in the center like you know they yeah. put him like we got this this right. brother he's right, right. you know what I'm saying right. so before y'all say something hey mad i'm real before y'all say something yeah. look, we got him you yeah. know so he's right yeah. i forgot his name though he's right in the middle um, but then probably, if you look at the go ahead then there's um you know the i see a, there's an asian writer um there's a lot of women a lot of female writers Right, um, which I do like, which I really do like. I see a Latino uh, writer. I see uh, a sister, uh, African-American writer. So there's, you know, there is some diversity. But Arthur, Arthur. Are <laughs> you going to talk about se- the, art? <laughs> the art? Have you seen the art?
0: Have you seen the art?
1: So they released, listen, they released some art for that's probably going to be the covers of some of these upcoming books. And we should say these books are going, the High, Repu- the High Republic is going to span over adult books kids books and comics um Mm -hmm. so this is a publishing initiative and i think there was one a long time ago i think called shadows of the empire or something like that i think that so there's precedence for this you know they've done this before yeah um how to tell these stories throughout through a publishing initiative so looking at this art though man some of these covers um i don't know which books these are for but the first one i see which is this group shot of all these jedi Mm -hmm. um Actually, this is called this is this book is called The High Republic. It's just says concept art. Um, The most prominent what we call like to call the first read. When you look at an image, what is the first read? The first thing you look at Um, the first read in this image is a white male. Um, And then this other one, um, there's a group shot of a a, trio, right? Well, no, this the one I'm looking at right here is it's uh, there's six of them. Um, And they all of them are aliens except for one white male who was the first read um then another book the claudia gray book into the dark um this cover and i don't know if this is the final cover but this cover has what looks to be a woman of color in the background in the forefront the first read is a white male um Test of Courage, which looks like a kid's book. Um, I would guess you could say the first read is an alien female and then there's a white male in the background. Uh oh, wait a minute, here we go. Uh, Star Wars The High Republic Adventures looks like an IDW comic book. The on the cover of this one, I don't know if this is concept art or not, but the cover of this one has a female character named Luca, it looks like. Mm-hmm. She looks she's a, a woman of color. Luca um, or Lula. Yeah, then next to her is some dude who looks like a cat. Um, And then here, I think the first book, maybe this Charles Soulet book, Light of the the Jedi. Light of the Jedi. (laughs) Who's the light, Isaac? Who's the light? The first, the prominent first read is a white female. So... I say all this to say, and I I think you I think you're on the same page is that, yeah, I look at these creators and it's like, oh, it's cool to see there's so many women. There's people of color in here, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. So it's not just a bunch of white men writing these stories. And but then to their credit. Well, yeah, to their credit, light of the Jedi, you know, the eye goes from homegirl to uh, to gentleman that looks Latino. Right, right, right. But then there's the Wookiee. The Wookiee is what drew my eye on that one. Um, But bottom line is that a lot of this stuff is following. Kind of that same um, Lucas um, template of, you know, the main characters, the main focus are going to be white humanoids. You know, so listen, I, I, I there's a special topic I think um, that we have coming up pretty soon that we'll get dive into this a little bit more. But my thoughts on the High Republic are, yeah, great to see all these kind of creators. Hopefully, that the work that's going to be created will be more quote unquote quote quote unquote diverse than what we've seen i'm gonna stop using that term diverse man there's you know g willow wilson uh she she used to write um uh miss marvel for Mar- for Marvel comics and she's also she's written a bunch of things fi- fantasy science fiction um she had a great quote once and I'm gonna post it on on my twitter i think or on instagram. And she basically was like, you know, we need to stop using this word diversity and just use the word authenticity because we're not trying to because the world doesn't look one, you know, doesn't look all white. And it's like we're introducing people of color into the equation. The world is full of people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're just showing we're just being realistic. We're being authentic. So I'm going to stop using that term diversity. Listen, before we get off of this, though, really quick question for you. Is it is there such a thing as too many Jedi? Because the one thing I worry about this High Republic thing is that Mm -hmm. when we were introduced to the Jedi in the original Star Wars film, yeah, they were legend, you know, and it was like mystery, you know, and there's only one or two of them left. The force itself was kind of like legendary. You know, the cat didn't, you know, the cat on the uh, death or the uh, Star Destroyer challenged Vader. Remember he said, you know, we don't need all that witchcraft or whatever the hell, you know so it's like there's that mystery and then what made it exciting the the thing about the prequels that was exciting was like we oh we're going to see a lot of Jedi now because we never seen that many Jedi together which I think happened in Attack of the Clones so but now at this point is there are you you know is there any worry on your end that you might get Jedi'd out like there's just too many Jedi um no I can't say that I'm I can't say that I'm worried
0: I think there'll be enough you know, extra to balance that out. Mm-hmm. So, cause there were a lot of, there, there were a lot of Jedi in the clone wars in the animated series. True. Um, and it was balanced out obviously by the war itself, you know, but there are yeah, a lot the, of blasters and the clones. And the
1: clones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, I, I guess I, yeah, I, I don't really worry about that. They're describing this high Republic as kind of the, the Jedi Knights of the round Table um, and they're also t- they're, they've also thrown in analogies to um, the Wild West and like these guys are like you know marshals out there on the frontier you know which is it comes with its own negative you know wild ass con- connotations mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which we could get into uh, cultural connotations which you get into another time but they you know I think that they are maybe they're going to parse these Jedi out, you know, so it's not like you got every book is going to be full of like, you know, 30 and 40 Jedi. It right. may just be okay we're going to focus on these two who are in this on this particular planet um by themselves, you know, looking for something or doing something. Um so I can see it that way. I just I just wanted to throw that out cuz I think, you know, maybe as these books come out, we can talk about it again, but I kind of get that, you know, are we going to get Jedi out and then the Sith are not going to be a part of this, evidently, at least they haven't said yet. Said so yet. You know, we're looking at some other group, I think, called the Nile or something like that. That's those are the bad guys. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. But I, to your point, which you said earlier, they're, they're doing this because they are trying to stake new ground. They're, sure. they're trying to get outside of the Skywalker saga and say, OK, what else can we do? And the only character that we may see here, you know, in the High Republic that we may be familiar with would be who, Yoda. Yoda, right. right. So, other than Yoda, you know, everybody else saying it hasn't been born yet. So, it's it'd be interesting. All right, yeah. we got one more before we uh, we jump into the main. What's uh? What's the last one? Oh,
0: the saving grace of it all. <laughs> right. Save the best for last. The return of the Clone Wars.
1: Are you um, caught Disney up? Close. You watch you watched both episodes? Oh, yes. I'm okay. caught up. Uh, the two available episodes, I'm waiting on the third one coming up Friday. What are, your, what are your initial thoughts so far based on these two episodes, The Bad Batch and uh, A Distant Echo? Um, I
0: am, you know, I am really encouraged. I'm encouraged in the same way that I encouraged uh, by The Mandalorian. But I'm more excited about Clone Clone Wars, obviously, than The Mandalorian because of the high bar that the previous uh seasons set. Mm-hmm. Um I really like the fact that they focused on the clones. You did not
1: gee, I don't even know if you saw You saw Anakin and your boy Mace at the beginning of episode one. At the beginning
0: one. of episode one, and then they were out of there.
1: That was that was it for them in that episode, yeah
0: yeah and even in episode 2 they integrate Anakin um and you see uh you know Obi-Wan mm-hmm. um you know but that's it so and i like that the that the plot point right now is that in episode 1 um really the the first two episodes really focus on Rex which mm-hmm. is your guy
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and um the discovery that his brother, his comrade Echo, uh, is still alive mm-hmm. and being used by the separatists to create an algorithm that helps them defeat the Republic based on the knowledge of the
1: Republic's attack plans. Mm-hmm. Plan- I- <clears throat> plans that, you know, Rex says listen, these are plans, these are battle plans that, you know, Echo and I drew up together. Mm-hmm. Um, which mm-hmm. begs the question okay why don't you just switch up your plans <laughs> well, <laughs> you know if you know that <laughs> right but to their point they you know they need to find out okay how is this possible you know what i'm saying because echo's dead you know so even though rex thinks he's a liar but i was like nah echo died at the citadel so how is this possible how do they have access to our intel mm-hmm. um, or to our to our strategy so yeah, it is very. I, I thought the setup, I love the fact that they focus on the clones, specifically Rex, you know, from from jump. And I got to say, man, these these episodes were released as what do they call it um, animatics um, on Star Wars dot com years ago. So, you know, because when Clone Wars got canceled, it was canceled and, you know uh Filoni and Lucas had stuff they wanted to do and they just didn't get a chance to do it. So a lot of these episodes have been, you know, storyboarded and got right. all the way to the animatics, animatic stage. So they posted them on starwars.com. So a lot of people have seen the original versions of these episodes. Now, the ones that we're seeing now have extra scenes added to them. Um, So, you know, there's different things. going. So it's not like if you watch the original animatics that you can't, you know, get anything out of these. But I got to say, I'm very glad I never watched those original, you know, those animatics. I'm very happy I didn't because... I didn't either. It's a very... I mean, going into the season, I was excited. But after these first two episodes, I'm really, really excited because these have been great, especially the second one, man. The second one was... Listen, the first one... Being introduced to the Bad Batch, I mm-hmm. dug that. Um, I don't know how you how you feeling about them. They feel very 80s. We were just talking about the 80s a minute ago. They feel it's very like the, 80s. Yeah, it's like Ripley's Aliens crew. They, right, exactly. They feel very 80s. As a matter of fact, I did see a behind the scenes on one, not behind the scenes, but a you know in depth video on uh It might have been new rock stars. I want to give them credit. It might have been new rock stars on YouTube, um, but they revealed that the inspiration for Hunter, um, the leader of the Bad Batch, is Rambo. Billy from oh. no billy from uh uh predator um, oh right? so yeah okay he had the headband and he was a tracker um yeah an, yeah, yeah, a, yeah 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 indigenous american he's a tracker so yeah so the hunter uh um, you know, I, I think that crew is just really cool um the relationship between rex and, and anakin you know um specifically in our second episode the fact that it's rex who he gets to kind of, like, keep watch. And, like, he trusted Rex with the, you know, with the with the information that him and Padme were together. Um, that was great. The, the interaction between Anakin and Padme, much mm-hmm. more, I told you, I text you, I was like, it's much more intimate and touching than anything in the films, um, than any of their, their scenes together in the films. And the fact that Obi-Wan knew. Called him out, called he Anakin knew. out. he knew. That was a huge reveal a huge reveal i hope reveal. you at least told padme i said hi huge <laughs> reveal man so li- look at what that does if you think about it if you think about revenge of the sith mm-hmm. so at that point of revenge of the sith he knows you know that anakin and padme are together and that's why you know he does say to her you know that you know the baby is you know anakin is the father isn't he because he knows
0: right 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 but
1: it also says if he knew that should he have because you know jedi are not allowed to have attachments sure should he have confronted anakin and be like listen your destiny is to balance out the force mm-hmm. you can't do that if you're thinking about you know padme or saving padme or putting her before everything else so you got to make a choice you know what i'm saying could he have confronted yeah. him like that does, would it have been yeah does An? i mean does obi-wan feel any guilt you know he already feels guilt we know that and we'll probably see mm-hmm. that in the obi-wan mm-hmm. series But does he feel any even more guilt because, you know, does he feel like, damn, if I would have stepped in and, you know, told him to leave the Jedi Order, maybe none of this would have happened, you know? Right. But see, that's the problem with
0: and i was saying this to you the other yesterday or the day before. But that that, you know, the Clone Wars, the animated series set such a high bar story wise Mm -hmm. and is so superior of of well pretty much all of them but definitely the first 3 um prequels right that it's it's almost i had to remind myself to connect the storyline mm, to revenge you're of the at sith it separately you know right. and you know to your point about obi-wan and maybe he should have went and actually talked to anakin um there're two problems with that in the film in revenge of the sith anakin's issue is Obi Wan's jealous of me. Mm-hmm. He's holding me back. But if you take the Clone Wars view, Anakin's issue is: that, wait, the Jedi are wrong. You know, they turn their back on Ahsoka. Um, this has happened. That's happened. You know, he's questioning the methods of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So there are two different
1: conflicts in Anakin animation versus film. Are they different, or is it a culmination? You see what I'm saying? Because I think that I, I get your point, and I, I agree with you. I think the Clone Wars does a, a superior, far superior job of laying out Anakin's conflicts. But yeah, they they don't connect emotionally.
0: The films don't connect emotionally. Yeah, I, I the think, timeline can work, but mm. the emotional content doesn't work. Cause, and here's 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 to prove that point. Obi Wan, what would have been nice is that if in Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan did talk to Anakin. But he also talked to Anakin about his own relationship with Satine. Mm, Right. Right. That would have been beautiful. Which couldn't have happened because (laughs) that hadn't happened yet. (laughs) It had, but it hadn't. Right. 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 And I think that's the
1: problem, though, is that all these ideas came to Lucas and Filoni, you know, post prequels. And so we're kind of like Sith. Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying. Although the only thing I would argue is that you can take what Anakin goes through in the clone wars and add it to his, what he goes through in in revenge of the Sith. And you know, the distrust of the the council, all those things and say, okay, they may be different things, but once they add it, you can add them together and say that leads to his fall.
0: But it's kind of a hard sell for me because Anakin in the animated series is much more put together. Mm-hmm. He's 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 less he's less immature. He
1: the animated Anakin is
0: more mature he's than a man. The film Anakin. <laughs> right. Right. He's a
1: man. Even even in Sith you kind of he does feel a little bit teenage angsty whereas in the Yeah, in it's the animated, very it's, He's a it's man. It's very binary and it's very binary to kind of drive the point
0: home that he's aligning his ideals with Sith ideals. Mm-hmm. Black or white, this or that. And mm-hmm. Obi Wan in the film and Revenge of the Sith calls him out on that. Things aren't absolute. Only a Sith thinks in absolutes. Right, right. You don't get that in the animated Anakin, mm-hmm. and you don't get that in the animated relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. You and know, that's just, a, that's just a standalone problem.
1: You know, I, I wouldn't trade the final that scene in, in Revenge of the Sith between the final scene between Obi Wan and Anakin when Anakin is cut in half and Obi Wan is screaming at him. You know. Right, um, you know, you were the chosen one. You know, I love you. You were my brother. All that stuff. I mean, I love that shit. That's like one of our favorite Star Wars moments ever.
0: But, 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 imagine was, how elevated that would have been if, if Anakin was, if Anakin called him out about Ahsoka.
1: Listen, we on the same page because this is what, I was, this is what <laughs> I was just about to say. Yeah, what would be in an ideal world in twenty twenty one? What we if we could get this in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty two, which will ne- it will never happen, is a Take the Clone Wars team, Filoni, Lucas, Filoni, everybody, and have them redo Sith, rewrite it, shoot it, you know, animated, not live action, Mm animated, taking our characters, all that. You know what I'm saying? Digitally alter that. I think I think what I think this season of Clone Wars is basically the closest we're going to get to that. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Because they're they're stepping into Sith. We're going to see what happens to Ahsoka and Rex, you know, because we know Rex didn't follow Order 66, so we see all right. that stuff. So we're getting close to that, but right. we're not going to get Revenge of the Sith done, you know, you know, from right, Rex Absolutely. Completely. You know, we're not going to get, but I think this is as close as we're going to get. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. Alright, main topic. Let's move on. We got to get into this. I'm excited about this one too. Alright, you want to set this up? Um, yeah, so listen. Alright, main topic main topic. Um, something happened. This is something that you brought up. Um, you touched on um, several <laughs> shows ago and you touched on, you know, the, the upcoming blade movie starring uh, the MCU blade starring Mahershala, Mahershala Ali. Right. Um, and, you know, whether or not it's going to be, you know, how is it going to uh, stack up to the black Panther and everything, you know, that happened around the black Panther release in 2018. And so, you know it came what happened was maybe about a week ago um i was in a bookstore as i always am and i was looking through some magazine i think it was some foreign magazine i don't know what it was but i can't even remember which magazine it was but there was a ad um you know mahershala ali is a uh, has a you know a deal with Xenia so he he's he's there dude right now um mm-hmm. and it was one of those Xenia ads and I looked for it online afterward. I couldn't find it. Um, I found a whole bunch of other ones, but I couldn't find this one. Of course, if I do find it, I'll post it. But anyway, in this ad, he was, you know, in one of the, the, you know, one of these ridiculously expensive and beautiful suits, of course. Um, And he in that moment, whatever, whatever was about that, whatever was about this particular picture, this image, he looked blatant to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He looked Mm he looked both blade blade and regal in a way that I think we got glimpses of, of that with the first, the original Wesley Snipes movie Um in some scenes okay. in that movie where there's this kind of just a very, you know, blade has a, a, a big presence, you know, he has uh, a, and, and a lot of this is attributed, you know, is, is credit to Wesley Snipes and what he did in that film. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a blade presence, I think, and there's a blade stature and it just has a, a, gra- a gravitas to it. So, this was like the first time i saw an image of mahershala that really i was looking at it like damn this dude like this is blade like i, I see it now you know what I'm saying? I right. did, it wasn't like i was didn't see anything when they announced this last summer that he was going to take on the role um but i i really saw it in this image so it made me think about your previous comment and then it led to this question which is our main topic for today for this episode you know can blade become a black culture moment Mm-hmm. in the same way as black panther in 2018 black panther released. it was a it was a cultural moment you know what i'm saying whether you love the movie hate the movie didn't see the movie nobody can deny that shit was a moment you know church right. groups renting out theaters uh, people who had never seen a comic book movie you know mm-hmm. going to see it multiple times um it became you know the highest grossing what highest grossing film directed by a black director of the highest grossing film featuring a mostly black cat, all these things. Mm-hmm. One of, one of Marvel's highest grossing films. So I thought about this and I was thinking, okay, does blade the film the because blade, the movie, this next, this next film, if you don't know, um, blade you know the marvel cinematic universe announced in summer of 2019 that blade um would be coming into the marvel cinematic universe and mahershala ali would be playing the role now they haven't announced the official release date but it's speculated. we've all speculated that it's going to be probably at the earliest it'll be 2022 yeah Um, maybe 2023 but probably 2022. so again i'm thinking and i wanted this is what i want to talk to you about today do you think that this has a chance of becoming a another black cultural moment? And I think that maybe we can look at this starting off like looking at these films, um, looking at the 1998 Blade, 2018 Black Panther um, as a way to dive into this.
0: So let's, yeah, you know, I,
1: let's, let's, let's look at 98. I want, I not want to put you on the spot. You don't have to answer the entire question, <laughs> you know right? <laughs> but, but let's, yeah. let me, let's, let's help each other out. Cause I don't have, a, I don't know if I have a definitive answer either. So, but let's help each other out by looking at that, that 98 blade. So the 98 blade, um, this movie really, you know, you can argue maybe X-Men, but let's be honest, the 98 blade, which preceded the X-Men film really is what kicked off the golden era of comic book films to me, in Mm -hmm, my opinion, mm -hmm, it was Marvel's first, you know, big hit, um, box office hit. Um, and it presented a level of realism um, that I think greatly impacted the, the 2000 or 2001 X, X X-Men film. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of just set the tone. Um, and Wesley Snipes, you know, he became that character. Uh, Wesley Snipes is already, you know, very uh, famous before then. He, I, I, When I looked at his uh, I am in whatever, I am BD or whatever, uh, you know, I didn't realize how busy that brother was, you know, going into um, Blade. But Wesley yeah. Snipes was was extremely um, active and had done a bunch of movies that not only existed in that that quote unquote black space, mm-hmm. um, but he had done films like uh, uh, what's that? Julie, the Julie Newmar joint um that, you know, obviously crossed over into other spaces. He did White Men Can't Jump, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so he had done Demolition Man. It was um, like what Passenger fi- Passenger Fifty One? Passenger fifty seven. But that did, yeah that Passenger fifty seven. Yeah, he that did that, that film with Sean up, yeah. Connery. Yeah.
0: Um, and you, you had the you, okay, you said the word. He he was active. He was he was an action hero. Yeah. That's a good yeah, and he exactly. brought and he brought that to Blade. So Blade became an action film with a vampire as a half breed as its you know as its main character um i don't know and still don't think that it's a a a reboot mm-hmm. with mahershala who is not known as an action character mm-hmm. um but does have parallels to Wesley's portrayal from standpoint of him being like around the way, basically, mm. Mm. you know, and being uber serious, you know, and 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 as you as you said earlier, Regal, mm. um, I think he will. I think Mahershala will bring that to the role. And I think that does address um, additional parallels with Black Panther and Chadwick Boseman's portrayal of,
1: of Chichala. Mm. So, yeah, let's let's look at the Black Panther then. So it's interesting that Wesley himself expressed interest in doing a Black Panther film way back in 1992. So Mm -hmm. even preceding Blade, you know, he Mm -hmm. was talking Mm -hmm. trying to have conversations about that. Obviously, it didn't happen. Um, One of the big things, though, I think about Black Panther 2018 was you had this, you know, fictional nation you know, this fictional nation right. of basically black supremacy, you know, not, right. not in an oppressive way, but I'm saying right, right, right. the superiority right. of um, this nation over all other nations in terms of technology, um, maybe even culture. But, they, you know, that presentation, I think, to your point about regalness and, you know, feeding into that, um, not trope, but that. Um, narrative of you know this we come from kings we come from queens we come from you know this these you know these beautiful places in our history sure Sure. instead of you know we talked about this on snobs on our sister show snobs on film a year or two ago you know instead of actually focusing on any uh you know definitive real history uh Mm -hmm. you know uh damn why did the name of the nation just jump on my mind what's black Panther's crib uh wakanda Wakanda um became an amalgamation of a lot of other you know african real African cultures and real mm-hmm. african histories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then it you know you threw in a whole bunch of futuristic stuff, so that played a role i think in its its appeal in twenty eighteen as well but then you look at you look at the actors you know let's look at you you talked about um you talked about uh, Ali, let's talk about Wesley again, and that his place in nineteen ninety eight yeah he was an action hero he also he also kind of had I would argue that he had a much larger following in the black community than Mahershala Ali you know what I'm saying he 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 was a bigger movie star in 1998 yeah. than Mahershala yeah. Ali is um even though Mahershala Ali is regarded I think now he's a thespian he's a he's the actor's actor you know what I'm saying he has mm-hmm. that that feel about him where it's like he just did true detective mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know he just he's so he has that kind of appeal where it's like this dude is definitely going to win you know best actor someday you know he's he's going to be that dude um whereas wesley though i think in 1998 he was a bigger movie star you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying he just you know wasn't so much about and although i'm not taking anything away from wesley's acting ability i think wesley's a great actor um but he was a movie star um in 1998 so that I played agree. a role in it how do i say this the way huh.
0: okay in Hollywood, the, where we are right now in Hollywood, it's okay to have a black king mm-hmm. in Africa. <laughs> as long as they stay in Africa. <laughs> but you're not going to have a black king. Roaming around New York. Globally. <laughs> Wakanda, fine. Zamunda, fine. <laughs> You may come to America. Just make sure you go back to Zamunda. <laughs> you can come to America. You can stay here. You can get somebody, take them back, take them all back. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you talked earlier. You started this off by talking about how much of a phenomenon Black Panther was. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that it's going to be a problem repeating itself with Blade, even with Mahershala as the lead. Mm -hmm. because on the one, which I just talked about Hollywood's view, right. You know, but the other part of it is that I don't think that the black community by and large in that same kind of zeitgeist way are going to get behind a vampire.
1: That's, and that's the elephant in the room I want to talk to you about. Right. That we, you know, and that's, again, that, that kind of goes back to the original, you know, the idea of, um, or what we were just talking about, about creating this fictional nation. And he's a king. to your point. That played into 2018's you know Black Panther movement. You know yeah. that that right. played into Black churches renting out you know theaters to bring people right. to see this film. Right. They ain't renting out you know <laughs> theaters and bringing to, people right, to, to come to root see for a the Undead. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Even if now, it is rated
1: PG thirteen, that's not right. happening.
0: <laughs> right. Now the genre, the genre, because even though Blade isn't 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 uh, uh, presented as a horror film, mm-hmm. vampires are. Right. And and America has gotten behind vampires vis-a-vis the Twilight series mm-hmm. most notably and Dracula overarching but you know Edward Cullen was a teenage heartthrob. Right.
1: Um and are you and, saying, are you saying that cuz that was that was you know obviously a lot of different audiences were into Twilight. Yeah, and I'm driven, saying that the, it, you
0: know that, 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 that this could shift um even on the even 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 in the black community um, where, vis a vis Jordan Peele, who has been making thrillers, borderline, full on horror films, um, you know, this spring Candyman is coming out, you know, the remake of the 1992 uh, horror film. Um, so, I'm not saying that because of these things by and large that this is going to be a sea change and we're going to get behind, we're going to be renting out buses and, you know, going to see a Blade film. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is that. Here we are in 2020 and we're talking about a film that could come out within two to three years from now, possibly after the Black Panther sequel. Maybe, maybe things will, maybe things will, will shift, but I don't believe that it would be a sea change. Right. Because
1: that's my question
0: from a cultural standpoint. You know, there's too many factors against that. Hey, the last episode I was talking about, you know, can, can uh, audiences get behind more than one female superhero? Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about can audiences get behind more than one black king?
1: Can audiences but okay, so that's mass audiences Let, let's 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 split this in two things. So mass audiences, mainstream and cult black culture or black audiences, can they get behind more than one black king? I think obviously black audiences can do that, you know what I'm saying its like yeah, we can go see we don't need just one black king. we go you know, you throw a black king up there, Marvel, we gonna go check him out, right but the mainstream audiences, to your point earlier. I don't know if they're going to react in 2018 or in 2022 the same way they did in 2018. We already supported Black Panther. Why are we going to go see this other cat? Sure. That's one thing. But then from a cultural standpoint, when you said, yo, our black audience is going to get behind a vampire. is your aunt, That's, really, is the, your that's auntie, really the crux of it, all of it. Exactly. Is your auntie, you know, your your 70-something-year-old auntie, is she going to go see... You know what I'm saying? You right. know, a vampire film. That's really impressive. Even if it's rated PG, is the only outlier, right? But <laughs> even if it's rated PG, that's right. But Twilight, again, supported by many audiences. But I don't think we'd be wrong to say the foundation of its audience was young white female, you know, teenagers, right? I think that was the foundation of the Twilight audience. Was uh, yes,
0: it was presented as a as a YA novel,
1: right? So white female teens probably made up the the the, the foundation of that. Mm-hmm. So our black teens or black, you know, even uh millennials or Gen Z, are they gonna get behind, you know, a vampire flick in the same way that, you know, uh white teens got behind a van you know what I'm saying? See these I mean listen, black folks I think love horror movies with, with the exception of me. Black folks love horror movies <laughs> as much as anybody else. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? And get into vampires and all that stuff. You know, Eddie Eddie did Vampire in Brooklyn, what was that, thirty years ago whatever. Yeah, but so, that was a comedy. It was a you comedy. know what I mean? And it we know that comedy.
0: comedies make everything yeah. It makes nice a nice and neat a difference. and that's, palatable. That's a, good point. that's a good point. Easy to digest.
1: So I, I think that from a cultural standpoint, it's going to, that's, that's one thing that's going to be interesting. But then there's another, another thing about the timing of it. If you look at when Black Panther came out 2018, it was a year, Trump had been in office for a year, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So it was, there was that strong sense of defiance from mm-hmm. uh liberal black audiences and white liberal audiences that were like, you know, it was still in that. We need to take back our country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Trump is a racist. We got, you know, still sure. that kind of very sure. anti-conservative feel. So I think that definitely played a part in definitely for mainstream audience for black audiences. I think it played a part. Cause it was like, Hey, to your point, we need to uphold this black King, this example of, uh, black excellence. You know what I'm saying? We need to mm-hmm. hold that up mm-hmm. for white liberal mainstream audiences. I think it became a moment of, we need to support that to show that we aren't going to support, you know, the, what the, uh, what the Trump crowd supports, you know, we're going, we're anti that. So we need to support this. I think yeah. that played a role. Now let's say fast forward to 2022. Mm-hmm. Let's say in this year's election, um, the liberals take back the white house. Mm-hmm. So in 2022, you may have the mainstream audience the liberal mainstream audience feel like listen we're good now you know what I'm saying we're straight everything's back to normal we don't need to you know we don't feel the pressure to become okay. a part of that movement of supporting you know this this um black you know character in this film um that Marvel is, is is dumping all this money into and promoting and saying we all need to go you know do support this the way we supported Black Panther maybe there won't be that push and then for black audiences it may be the same way. There may be, not be that that feel of um, um, there may not be that rush or that kind of like not panic, but kind of okay. that feel like of we have to go support this as a way to show that we're not going to you know stand. We're not going to stand for all these other things that are happening in the country right now. Mm-hmm. So I see those kind of things playing out. And I think that all this comes up underneath the the um, reality that, yeah, there have been many films that to this point in 20 by 2020 that we can name a lot of films that have been Mm -hmm. featured black men and uh, black characters specific uh, specifically black men in the lead role Mm -hmm. but this film is only the second MCU film that will feature a black man in the role you know the lead role you know and The things have changed, you know, since the MCU has changed things now. So Hollywood has changed now after these 11 years of MCU films. Sure. So it is an important it's an important event. It's an important thing. It's a monumental thing that I'm sure Marvel, just like they promoted Black Panther, they're going to find a way to promote Blade in that same way of saying you need to come support this film because look at this. We got a black director. We got a black actor. We got, you know, we're telling a black story, blah, blah, blah there's going to be some more cultural elements in the blade 2022 than there were in 1998. I can guarantee True. you that it's
0: going I, to be. I think for, I think for blade to do what you're talking about, it has to tell more than just a quote unquote black story. And, and, and I put it in quotes, not to minimize your statement, but to, but to highlight it. Um, I think it has to tell a broader, um, story or at least, If it tells a a black story, it has to have this wider component to it that other races and cultures can relate to. And I'll give you an example. So, one thing that we haven't talked about is um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. So, it's streaming on Disney Plus uh, in the fall. I believe it's in the fall or winter, but I think it's in the fall.
1: Fall, yeah.
0: Um, And... Sam Wilson, Anthony Mackie's character, who's the Falcon, is, he levels up from Captain America's sidekick to effectively being Captain America. Okay? So this might be the first litmus test of, can a black king exist in America? Mm. Okay? hmm Can a black hero exist in America for, for you know, for everybody? Mm-hmm. Now, the
1: um, question, though, are they going to play that? Are they going to do it that way? Because, listen, in the comics, which I don't I don't read Captain America, but I, I, I believe in the comics there is a arc at some point in time where, you know, uh, Falcon takes over the mantle and gets hated upon because he's black, you mm-hmm. know. And so are they going to the trailer the you know, the quick glimpses that we've seen so far haven't you know shown anything, you know, haven't given us one way, told us one way or the other. Are they going to Indeed. do that or not? Yeah. Um, but. That if is, is you know i guess I guess my point overall, Arthur, just to sum it up, is that what Marvel did with Black Panther in twenty eighteen set a precedent in terms of we're not just going to tell you a story that features a black lead, yeah, the story itself is going to involve. Black cultural issues, not just yes. not just black culture, but African you know, issue. You know, it's going to yes. it's, it's the diaspora, you know what I'm saying? So yes. whether or not they did it well, they did it kind of well, or they messed, however you feel about it, that's where they went. You know that's what I'm saying? Right. So but the social- can, a Blade, can a Blade movie come out in 2022? To your point, I see I may have to have other things in that, but can it come out? Can it do what 1998 did? Because the 1998 Blade didn't deal with, you know, right. cultural issues. Right, I don't think Marvel can drop a movie in 2022 with its second black male lead, and there's no you know I, there's no cultural elements. To it I at absolutely all. agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Black Panther also had the backdrop of of Black Lives Matter movement. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Good point. But let me okay. Let me ask you this though: if the 2022 Blade, um, if it follows, you know, if they say, listen. We set a precedent in 2018, yeah, and we need to follow that precedent with, um, you know, a 2022 blade that you know features, you know, some elements of Black culture or at least leans into that, you know, I'm saying and, and and puts that in the forefront to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, is that going to be enough to spark another mo another movement? because another, that's that's why I keep coming back to that 2018 film, man. It was like you can't overstate. How, how much that did for people who are not into this Unreal shit at all? Yeah, you know what I'm saying it's yeah, like I, yeah. I guarantee you that a lot of people who saw that 2018 Blade or uh, Black Panther, that was that was probably the last time they've seen. You know, a, a, a both of those were gateway anything. films.
0: Absolutely, they were both gateway films. I
1: just feel I can't. You know, I'm wondering, can in Marvel after setting that precedent, I feel like they're not. They don't want to lose that audience. You know, what I'm saying they're mm-hmm. not going to be like okay we you know well that was that that was that time that space and time so we're not going to try to capture that audience again I feel like they're going to have to they're going to engineer this to go after that audience again they want your auntie Arthur they want your auntie at this movie mm-hmm. at Blade mm-hmm. they want Blade like she'd never seen a vampire movie she's scared of that type of stuff it goes against her religious beliefs all that type of stuff but because it's you know Mahershala Ali because Marvel is putting right. this promotion because they've told this story blah 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 she got to go see it you know what I'm saying so she getting her three or four of her girls from church and yeah. we go on Saturday morning at 11 10 a.m. saying <laughs> we're going to go see this movie
0: I mean I mean maybe man maybe um but maybe another motive is to is to is to grow the more adult audience in in the MCU I mean mm-hmm. think of the Deadpool films mm-hmm. this could be another Blade could be another um because I don't I don't for one, don't see how they can do it without making it an R
1: film. Mm, you think it's going I to be their first R? I just don't see it. Mm, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, because the original Blade was R. But do you think that you think this may be their first R-rated film other than Deadpool? I, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think so. And Deadpool isn't considered MCU. Well, I'm saying the next Deadpool. If, the next Deadpool will probably be MCU and it'll probably be right fair, Yeah, R, okay. Yeah.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. You know, and then you grow a different, a different type of audience. mm
1: well, if it's rated R, it's definitely not going to be that movement. Then that black, like, uh, that Black Panther was. I, you know, I guess we I just should, don't, I uh, just don't see him getting behind. You know, I mean, unless,
0: I mean, gee man, unless you make him, unless you make Blade, you know, the 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 killer of the Antichrist. It, you know what I'm saying? Seriously, because who's showing up for an undead film like that? Like with what you're talking about? So, so your auntie will go if he takes out the. Antichrist. Nobody's wearing kente to see Blade, brother. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just telling And you. on that note.
1: <laughs> Man, you know what? It would be great if that would, like, come up in a Marvel, like, meeting. If somebody was like, listen, nobody's wearing candy to see these movies. We yeah, got to figure yeah. out a way to get that yeah. crowd. But it you will, know you know, jokes aside, jokes aside, it will be interesting to see
0: how uh, Anthony Mackie's Falcon is received.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm you know what, I'm you know, listen. I don't
0: I'm not saying it'll move the needle, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that, you know, if 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 it's a good series, mm. if Anthony Mackie provides a good performance, right, it will move the needle to say that, okay, black audiences in particular are Interested in these stories are interested
1: in these hero
0: films. Black audiences need a superhero.
1: You know what? It'll be more interesting to me from the Falcon and Winter Soldier will be more interesting to me to see if Marvel from a storytelling standpoint are going to go there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Are they going to go into that story arc where it's like Captain America, Steve Rogers is gone. He's passing the mantle on to his friend who uh, happens to be black and America is like, nah, he ain't our Captain America, you know, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a showrunner, if I was running, I absolutely would go in that, that direction because that would mm-hmm. be the that would be the antithesis of, you know, he's not our president. You know, when mm-hmm. Trump got elected, mm-hmm. you had a lot of black folks saying he's not our president. So what if Anthony Mackey takes over the, you know, the Captain America mantle and then you have a bunch of white Americans saying he's not our Captain America. You know, that Mm -hmm. would be a very interesting. So it's, it's, that's what I want to see. that's, I want to see if Marvel is going to take it there. Are they going to take it there? If I had to put money on it, I would say no, but they may flirt with it at least. But Mm -hmm. in terms of this blade thing, I just, I want to end this by saying this. I feel that I want to make sure that from my point of view, I don't think that I'm not into monolithic storytelling. In other words, I'm not saying that blade has to be what Black Panther was. Sure. That he has to be put up on a mantle that he has to be a, to your usual terms a black king that he has to be this i'm for all for you know what i saw in 1998 which was blade as the underdog underdog kind of like the batman character not yeah. getting not getting any love out here saving humanity um mm-hmm. and nobody even really knows that he exists he's hated by um the vampires he's kind of he's shunned by humans I'm all for that type of storytelling. So if that's what we get in 2022 with the new Blade, with the MCU Blade, I wouldn't be mad at that. In fact, there's a lot of parallels you could draw between that storytelling and that narrative to the real lives of African-Americans, you know, and, you know, you could you could you could actually parallel what Blade goes through with what a lot of brothers go through a lot of sisters go through, you know what I'm saying? You could do, you could do that, you know, and it wouldn't have to be about, Oh, he's a black King of this fictional nation. Um, so I just want to make before, as we end this, I will make clear from my standpoint, although I'm speculating on whether or not, you know, Marvel can do what they did, you know, with black Panther, when this blade comes out, this blade film comes out, I'm all for all types of different types of storytelling within the, you know, the black diaspora.
0: All right, it's going to be a full lid on episode 11 of Mad Unreal. Please follow us on... Oh, damn, they can't follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Spotify. We are on Spotify. Right. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review. Um, And let us know on Twitter, hashtag Mad Unreal. Let us know what your feelings are uh, about this topic. Let us know what your feelings are about... Uh, 007 as we continue this 007 and counting
1: series uh, throughout the month of March going into April make sure you tune in this Friday after you listen to the show you're listening to now tune in this Friday for episode 3 of uh, 007 and counting where we are going to do the mad unreal review of Casino 2006 Casino Royale as always keep it unreal